1: Love this
2: podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description
1: to support now.
0: What's going on, y'all? James Hicks here from Infotainment News at ITN Live. Look, have been wanting to do this for a long time this being starting a podcast to go along with the with the site and go along with the other social media platforms we have. But been always trying to find the right platform to use, right? But looking for how to get the message out to our engaged readers, our engaged viewers. Good morning, good afternoon, everyone. James Hicks here from Hicks Two Media and Infotainment News. I am joined today, Perspectives and Focus by. I would call you the man of the hour, but you are maybe the man of the half hour because <laughs> right. we 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 have an individual sitting in in the in the green room who is incredibly special. I would just third person looking in, right? Incredibly special, uh, fantastic history a uh, true American hero who you have an intimate relationship and, and, and knowledge of. Um, yes. Am I kind of rounding out there to, to say,
2: say the right things there? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So we have a phenomenal person that's about to come on. And um, General Cole has been a, a integral figure in my life. Um, and, and we had a very interesting um, compounding relationship um, at the early part of my military career. Whereas um, um, aside from all the things that he and I did together, it was uh, amazing for me to be able to learn from him, to look up to him. Um, Just a man of God, a phenomenal husband, father, military man, um, Rotarian, former boxer. We probably won't get into talking about him and his boxing (laughs) career, Um, but there's always a phenomenal story that comes with it. Um, Heck, you know, you might touch on it later, but he was the first man to actually lead round the world trip, nonstop that included a bomb drop. Um, he, he was the leader of, of all of that happening. And, and, um, I've been lucky, um, to have, um, plenty of occasions for him to give me feedback input, um, or just tell him, you know what, I'm just going to sit back here and you do your thing. And, um, and, um, yeah, so we're, we're in for a treat. Awesome. Awesome.
0: I think you left one out because first of all, general Cole, thank you for being here, sir. Um, Thank you for your service. And LaMille's left one characteristic out. You are an incredibly good storyteller. Listen, before we went live, the the, the nuggets of inspiration and the nuggets of uh, of just comedy that that you had. Like I said, we're we're going to have to just do this once a week for for like forever because <laughs> I, I need during this time of lockdown and pandemic and everything that's going on. Just just need this that. Uh, that um, that spirit that you have. So again, thank you very much, sir, for, for joining us.
1: My pleasure. It was my pleasure most of the time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> most of the time. I love that. You know, I'm I'm going to really again just sit back in awe and, and wonderment. I'm going to sort of let LaMills uh really lead the discussion. I will just be the guide, like I was saying, be the Wizard of Oz behind the scenes, pulling the curtains and pulling pulling the uh the ropes, just making sure that things go well from that perspective. But um Again, just thank you again for for, for
2: attending today. My yeah. pleasure. So, so, General, I'm going to jump right into it. Um, and, and first, um, you know, it's been about 30 years ago um, that many would have considered, like, one of the most – you were one of the most powerful people that we actually had in Barksdale Air Force Base, obviously, but then in the Bossier City area, in the Shreveport greater Area. <clears throat> and um, we can think a lot about the climate of things going on today, Um But one of the things that stuck out to me was, was that you chose to send your son and daughter to public schools, um, to public schools that weren't in the most affluent area that you could have chosen to send your kids to, um, to public schools that had a a very high African-American population compared to most of the other schools in the area. Um, Not as good a reputation academically, compared to some of the other schools in the area at the time. Um, What guided you to do something like that? What, what, what I mean, because that's not the norm. That's not the norm today. That wasn't the norm 30 years ago. And, um, you know, when I got introduced to your family, um, that was one of the first things that shocked me was, was here you are literally the leader of thousands of people on this air force base, the top man. And, I was then introduced to your son first and they said he goes to Russian middle school. And I thought this must, be, I think we got it confused. He goes to a different middle school. Um, as a parent, what, what, what guided you to make that kind of decision?
1: Well, in the first place, all the base kids in those days were going to Russian middle school. Right. And when I retired. Um, the only place we could find it was a decent place to live uh, was in the airline school district but all right. our kids friends went from Russian to Bozier High and I yep. wanted to stay with their kids with their friends with their peers and yep. that's that's what we did so I, I went to this to the school board and I said uh, can I can I at, file a request and let my kids stay in Bozier? and they said oh sure but you have to provide transportation so I said I don't mind doing that We'll leave them with their peers. So we did. And on the very first day we moved in our brand new house, when I retired, I got a letter from the school board saying, you can't keep your kids in Bozier. You're going to have to take them out of Bozier High and put them in the airline. And I called the uh, superintendent up and I said, "I, there's a mistake here. Uh, you told me that I could keep my kids in Bozier." He said, well, I'll handle the school board. Don't worry about it. And two weeks later, he called me back and said, I I can't handle the school board. You're going to have to take your kids out of Bozier and put them in the airline high school. And I said, well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to what I'm going to do is I'm going to go down and get a lawyer from Shreveport and I'm going to take you to court. And the next time we meet is going to be in a court of law because I'm going to keep my kids in Bozier. Do you understand? I don't care what you do to me, but but don't don't hurt my kids. Right. And so that. That's what we did. Uh, we, we kept them in Bozier with their peers, and it worked out great. Susie yeah. ended up going into the Air Force on a full Air Force ROTC scholarship, and of course George Payton followed her one year later, went to the Air Force Academy. So, and right out of, uh, right of Bozier High, and he and, uh, he and his best friend validated their first year of math at the Air Force Academy right out of Bozier High School. So, that it worked out great. Yes. But, but what we're here to do is talk a little bit about you. <laughs> uh,
0: but hold on. Now, see, there we go. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the guy that we, that we know from behind the curtain, right? I mean, this, this guy right here. <laughs>
1: there, there, there are two things that really impressed me when I first met uh, when I, a young, young airman who happened to be Coach Garrett, Alex Garrett. The first thing that impressed me, was that he had volunteered as an airman to take on this responsibility. He did all the coaching, the fundraising, the mentoring. He did all of that on his own and on his own time. He didn't get paid one cent for volunteering all this time and effort to teaching these young men. And he acted as a mentor to a lot of them. That brings me to the second thing that impressed me about uh, Coach Garrett. Uh, He paid particular attention to a lot of the young men that were having problems growing up. A lot of them had made some bad decisions in life and coach Garrett kind of singled them out and nurtured them along and brought them along with the rest of the boys um, to, to a point where they could be productive young citizens in our community. And I, I really, really thank you for what you did there, coach. Um, you acted as a mentor to some of these kids at a time in their lives that was very, very crucial. And a lot of them didn't have fathers. Um, and you are, you, 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 provided that, that leadership as a young airman. And that really, really was impressive to me. And I could tell that, that you were going to do well in life for sure with that kind of attitude.
2: Well, well thank you general. Now um I'm trying to talk about you and, and <laughs> 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 yeah, it's so much easier that way. Now, now, um, a, a part of that, what you just described was obviously I was coaching basketball and, um, and you know, George came to the workout and we had a great workout. And We were just starting a brand new AAU program. Many people didn't know what AAU was back then and, and traveling basketball and all of these pieces. And um, so um, now, um, what was it like for you? as a dad to actually see your son to then eventually get the opportunity. Now he's posting his picture up here. Um, two of those kids on there are were NBA players that were top five NBA picks in the year 2000. The, the tallest one there is stromile Swift and to yeah. the right of, I guess to stromile's left with the glasses on is Marcus Pfizer. stromile went to the Vancouver Grizzlies and and Marcus uh, went to the um, Chicago Bulls. And I got the, 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 pleasure of being in minneapolis when they were drafted into sitting there and spending a lot of time in chicago with marcus but um that aside um george having the opportunity to spend time being coached by me and then mike Theus and then spending time on um you know on the court and learning and and all of these things um how did that translate to you know let's be honest. Now, you're a phenomenal person, a phenomenal career, and your son is doing very much the same things that you are. Well, what impacts did that have for you as a parent and then on your son?
1: Well, growing up as a, as a son of an Air Force, of a senior Air Force officer, I, uh, I knew what it was like um, for my son. And I think you'll recall, I came to you and said, I want you to treat him just like you treat everybody else. And yes. it doesn't matter. I said, you know, be a little bit tougher on him if you want <laughs> yes. to. I don't care. Because <laughs> because you know, you you, you were, he was at a time in his life when he was learning to be a young man. And yes, sir. this this basketball team uh, had so many unintended spin-offs that he picked up on. Uh, the the first thing is he's colorblind. He really is. Some of his best friends are black folks and, and he doesn't didn't know the difference in those right. days for sure right. it didn't make any difference and it still doesn't make any difference and right. as a as a young officer in the United States air force that that will go a long long way uh, yeah. to, to toward helping him understand the enlisted people that he has to work with and right. his fellow officers and right. so right. look y- you know you you all. Uh, in that AAU team were the, were the genesis of everything that he is today. And we're so proud of him today. And you guys, you, you know, you bear a lot of that responsibility for the, for where he is today, coach. And we, we're, we're eternally grateful for what you did.
2: Now, now, um, and, and, and thank you. Now part of what's funny was um, Mrs. Cole was on there and she brought up the oranges there and, um, I, I do remember, um, you, you making it clear, um, to me that, you know, don't, don't give him no breaks. It's <laughs> like, he, he's getting no breaks. Um, and so I, I think sometimes George was frustrated with me because, um, he got no breaks, <laughs> no breaks. Um, and, and, um, I was mentioning earlier about I remember I have a drill, whereas I would have the kids toss basketballs. I mean, mm-hmm. toss tennis balls instead of basketballs, because everyone thinks they know basketball when they come in. I wanted them to learn to throw and catch as basketball players. And um, and um, that was early on when I first started with the kids, because I assumed that everybody knows nothing. All of them think they're basketball stars, but everybody knows nothing. And uh, and I had them tossing those balls and um you and I had already had our little chat, <laughs> and George cracked the joke, and um, and and for those who think, well, um, ah, when I spoke on the basketball court as a coach, I made sure my my players understood there there was only one voice that was going to be listened to. Uh, <laughs> I'll say it that way. And um, so George got a, a quick snapback from me. And and I remember after practice, him coming to me and saying, coach, you're really serious about those tennis balls, are and, and, and so it set an impression. And so in the back of my head, part of me is wondering, like, I hope he doesn't go home and tell the general that I got on him too hard. And then the other part of me was like, I think I'm in a good place. And so if this test's true, then I'm going to be all right. And so George came back the next practice. And... Um, he engaged. And then I had volleyballs along with the tennis balls. They didn't get to play with basketballs and they were frustrated with me. And uh, George didn't say a single thing. I said, you know, so I checked in with him sort of the I want to make sure I wasn't going to get some article 15 or something. You know, when I got back to work myself, <laughs> that the general was going to get. me. <laughs> and George was like, um, I checked in with him, like, hey, are you OK from last practice? And he was just a yes, sir. Everything's good. Like, you OK with the tennis balls or volleyballs? Yes, sir. And um, he went on about his business. And, and from there on, it actually took me a bit to make sure I had the confidence that, uh, the general wasn't going to get me and, uh, that, that, that I truly did have full control of my team (laughs) and, uh, that those things were going to go well. Now, um, from the point of view of, of politics, now we're talking about a lot of things here in terms of basketball and all these other pieces. Now, um, You've spent a little time near people associated with politics. Um, I think you previously worked for uh, Donald Rumsfeld or with them. I think it was
1: Dick Dick Cheney.
2: There was Dick Cheney. And you did some advising as well for some people in the past. Now, now you're not a politician, but you've been close to a lot of those people. Now, tell us a little bit about that experience for you.
1: When I was a young colonel, one of my one of my jobs was to be the, the chief of the air force senate liaison office uh, in washington my office was actually in the russell building and in those days um senator barry goldwater was like our patron saint from arizona and um i was kind of like the librarian um whenever any anybody any senator or staffer had a question regarding the air force they would come to me in my office and i would link them up with the person in the pentagon that was the expert so like i say i was kind of like the librarian for the air force uh, i got to travel all over the uh, all over the world with a lot of senators and a lot of staffers and i got to see a lot of them up close and personal um and i gotta tell you uh, after a year and a half of doing i've walked out of the building along with senator barry goldwater on his last day there he said where are you going Pete?" I said, I'm going down to Fort Worth, Texas to be the wing commander. And he said, he said well, congratulations. Are you happy? And I said, you know, I, at one point in my life, I thought I might want to run for elective office. But after a year and a half being next to you guys, that's the last thing I want to do. <laughs> so he laughed. He laughed. And we both walked out together. Um, but I don't mind being being an advisor, but I, but I, but I certainly, uh, didn't want to run after want to run for elective <laughs> office after that, to tell you the truth. Yeah, coach. I'm that. But, I'm glad, but, but you know what? Um, <clears throat> I was really happy to, to hear that you were running for the council because, um, they need somebody at, at the council level. I think that's honest and doesn't have an agenda to, uh, to, to, to play, and I think from your experience in the Air Force and what you've done in life, you're a perfect man for that for that position. And I'm really happy to to that you're running for it. Okay.
2: Thank you so much, General. Now now that brings me to a one piece that I actually get to this is the first time I get to address this in a public forum with you here, because many people often oftentimes ask me about leaving the military. And I explained to them that yes, I have an honorable discharge. Um, and you know, they say, how long were you in the military? I say six and a half years. They're like, well, that's kind of odd. Usually someone does four years or six years, but six and a half usually never comes out of it. I said, well, yeah, I kind of left early. And they're like, something bad happened? I'm like, no, actually something great happened. I got to, you know, I left and uh, I was able to get out early. And they're like, well, how'd you get out? I'm like, well, I got a congressional. Like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, I wrote a letter to my senator And I waited about three weeks and I got a phone call from that senator's office and they told me before anybody else knew that I was going to be getting out of the Air Force and it was going to take a little while for the paperwork to be processed. And I started dancing and I was happy. Um, And the reason for that was because for those who are out there, I applied for a hardship. And at the time, my official job was to make false teeth. But I had set up the computer systems at Barksdale Air Force Base at the dental lab. And uh, Hewlett-Packard made a job offer for me. And um, I applied for the job and tried to get a hardship so I could take that job, which was way better than my enlistment pay. And they said, you're too important to the mission because you're doing the computer stuff. And I said, but hold up, that's not my AFSC. That's not my official job. You, you should not let me go. And I have a great chance to go and be a positive in, in the civilian world. And they said, sorry, no. And, and um, I came to General Cole and said, What should I do? Now, at this time, General Cole was retired. And um, he had, first you wanted to know what the colonel did. And I told told you, I said, um the the enlisted folk told the colonel that they didn't want him to let me go. And the colonel said, Well, you can't go. And you said, Well, that's a good colonel. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm like, I'm not liking the way this conversation's going. <laughs> and then you said, Well, you need to get you a congressional. You need to. You asked me. Do you have a senator. I say yes, sir. It's like well, then write them. And uh, you gave me a little coaching on that. And um, lo and behold, it was Floyd Spence and Strom Thurmond at the time. And I wrote each of them a letter. And um, Strom Thurmond's office got back to me about three. It was about three weeks or so. They made a phone call to Barksville Air Force Base. And I don't even know how they got the phone number. I don't even remember if it was on the letter. And uh, and I answered. And uh, the person from his office, I think her name was Allison Miller, I think, or something like that. And uh, she told me. You're going to be getting out of the Air Force. We've gotten your stuff approved and it's going to be processed. And no one else knows about it right now, but it's on its way. So when I tell that story to people, General, everyone thinks I'm just telling a big whopper of a story. And so this is the first time now I, I need to get this on record for you to validate <laughs> some of that background for me. <laughs>
1: <clears throat> I, uh, <clears throat> I I had a little background on that in that. When I was early on in the uh, office of the Senate Liaison Office, I escorted Senator Phil Graham out to uh, Nellis Air Force Base in uh, Las Vegas, and then to Abilene, Texas, to uh, where we uh, accepted the first B one. Um, and we were got, and we were flying along with four other um, members of the House. Um, and Senator Graham had had been a, a House member from Texas. And they were personal friends of his from Texas. So he corralled them all and we got on the airplane. It was late and um, it was about eight o'clock at night. So they all fell off asleep. And uh, Congressman Tom DeLay from Sugarland, who at the time was a whip, was, 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 was a new guy at, at, at the time. I said, uh, There wasn't anything to do. So we were sitting there talking. And I said, Congressman, how do you get your money? And he said, well, let me tell you how that all works. He said, if you're in the Air Force and you have a problem, you write me a letter. And that letter goes immediately to an aide. And he responds to you that says, I thank you very much. I got your letter. I'm working your problem. He said, at the same time, a le- cover letter goes on your letter. And I send it to the Air Force, Department of the Air Force in the Pentagon. And I say, this is my good friend, Lieutenant Cole, who has a problem. What can you do to help it? And they've then got five days, five working days to get back to me, he said. So when they get back to me, I send that letter. I send another cover letter on that letter back to you and this. And I say, dear Peyton, uh, dear L- L- Lieutenant Cole, uh, I understand you've been. Uh, thank you very much for your service. And I understand you've been having some problems with the Air Force. This is what we've done. To, to, to solve your problem. And, and you go on your way. Well, 60 days from that, from the day that letter goes out, another letter is automatically generated for my signature. And it says Dear Lieutenant Cole, thank you very much for your service. And I am so proud to have been able to help you two months ago. As you know, I'm going to be running again for office next uh, fall, and I'm going to need some help from donations. From good people like you, that I can help them even more. So, whatever monies you could feel in your heart of hearts to give me for helping you out, I would certainly appreciate it. And he said, It's so funny. He said, The more the the, the way it works out, the more problems my constituents have, the more money I get. He said, So it's a crazy world. And so, when, when you came to me with your problem, I immediately thought of uh, Congressman Delay, and I thought, "Well, this is what Coach Garrett ought to do: just write a, write a congressional." And <laughs> now, now to finish this story, uh, after after you got your action completed from uh, Strom Thurmond, did you not get another letter in a couple of couple of weeks saying, "Yes, sir"? Oh, <laughs> Mister Garrett, thank you so much. And oh, by the way, can you donate? anything to me. Did you get that? Yes, sir. That's the way it works. And if you don't know, that's the way it works. It's, it's, it amazes you. And it's just, it's a crazy, crazy way to do business, isn't it?
2: Right. It
1: is. But I'll validate, I'll validate that story as long as the day is long.
0: (laughs) Well, Mills, I would say it, 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 you, you have to have people that know the system. And to say you yes. have friends in high places, uh, the man up here to you, to my left, in the, in the top corner there, definitely is one of those people. That's, that's, that's funny. It's <laughs> amazing. Now, General Cole, I, I wanted to interject because there, there are a couple of things that first I want to ask of you or say to you. And then I, I, want, I want to wrap and, and kind of put the bow on it for, for LaMills here. The degrees of separation, honestly, that, that you and I have and, and my family, it, it may be an Air Force thing, but I understand that you completed your B-52 training at Castle, Air Force Base in California. Correct. Okay. So my family, we, we were stationed at Castle. We had two tours there. We were actually stationed there twice. So no, know, know the Merced, Atwater, air, know that area quite well. Oh, yeah. Um. And from what I understand, I'm, I'm going to read the notes here. In 82, you were assigned as the Assistant Deputy Commander of Operations of the 379th Bombardment Wing at Wurtsmith Air Force Base in Michigan.
1: That's right. That's where I, I was born. Knew, I didn't know where Wordsmith was. And I asked the personnel guy, where's Wurtsmith? And he said, well, it's about 100 miles uh, south of Alpena. And I said, well, I don't know where Alpena is. <laughs> where's Alpena? <He> told, told, <laughs> <laughs> was, was, yeah, that, that worked out to be a good assignment.
0: That's good stuff. Yeah, so I was born there. Uh, were you? Really? I believe we. I, I was. I believe we were there for for six months of my life, and then my, my dad was uh, again. He was he was in Vietnam, so you, you two kind of have that uh, like minded together. We, we we talked about that. He was at uh, part there doing part of the Tet offensive while you were flying the uh, the AC forty seven Spookies. Uh, so. Dur- during that entire conflict, um, interesting well, stuff, Worth, to say the
1: least. was a great base, and uh, there was a place called Tony Decker's right outside the base there that sold a, a hamburger that they called a mess. And after playing golf or doing whatever you're doing, everybody had to go to Con- Tony Decker's and have a mess. Well, <laughs> when Tony Decker's burned down, it took, them, it took them four days to put the fire out because it was mostly alcohol. <laughs> when Tony Decker's burned down, okay. I knew that that was, was going to be curtains for, for Wordsmith. And sure enough, <laughs> it, was a, it, was a great, it was a great base because it was so isolated that nobody had anything to do except fly airplanes. And so when yeah. you had an inspection, you know, if, if you had a no notice inspection, uh, the IG team would go into the local uh, grocery store to get groceries. And the grocery store would call the command post and said, "Hey, there's some strangers in Air Force uniforms buying <laughs> groceries here for about a week." Inspection, <laughs> and my command post would call me, and I'd initiate the alert roster and the recall roster, and we'd bring everybody in. So we were all sitting at our at our places, ready for them. As soon as they walked in the door, no notice. <laughs>
0: Amazing. Amazing! I I love it. I I love it. Uh, again, you you've got this, the stories to tell. If if you haven't written the book yet, uh, go on, it's, it's time to put pen to paper, sir. It's time to put pen to paper. I, I will say that, uh, Lamills. Let me let me ask you this. I mean, this this has again been another conversation, really, to dive into not just the candidate, not just a man looking for the office, but again, seeing behind the scenes. Right. So, so again, quality individuals that we've had talking with you and about you as you embark on this new journey. How has this conversation with, with General Cole really helped you prepare for the next few days, next few weeks, next month and things of that nature as you're as you're moving forward until
2: November? Um, you know, I, I think as much as anything. Um, being able to be exposed to people like General Cole and to have time with them. Um, and, and frankly, for him to allow me to be a part of his family and coaching his son, um, been in time with his family in general, um, has given me the opportunity to to understand it. you know, in, in this world of separation, of angst, of, of party politics, et cetera, um, you know, whether it's been in basketball or in, in the Air Force, um, we're all on that same team. And I've, I've truly had to understand and, and practice bringing people together, bringing, you know, the differences of what people bring to the table to allow us to to deal with those things in a productive way so that we can all be successful. And, and um, you know, General gave the, the perfect opening with regards to his experience with simply wanting to do right for his kids in terms of them having a positive experience at school. It didn't matter that Bozier was a mostly black school. It didn't matter what the so-called reputation of what people thought of what the school was. It didn't matter that he didn't even live in the district. He had a solution in hand that he understood his kid's happiness was going to be the priority there. And race didn't stop him from doing that. And so he put his children in a situation where as they would have these conversations. They would be able to interact with people. Frankly, you know, his son grew up around more black people when he was away from home than he did with white people. And, and <laughs> I mean, th- that's just and, and, and let's be honest, that is a very rare thing to happen. In our United States of America today, that is a very rare thing to happen. And he did this 30 years ago. Yeah. And and so when, when we talk about having people to be willing to expose themselves and be willing to put themselves in situation whereas they're not always the priority or comfortable, this man gave me a, an idea of what that looked like. Of, of what it meant to immerse yourself in a situation, whereas you might be a little bit uncomfortable. People might treat you a little bit different, but focus on the relationship, focus on building solutions, building a team and, and you're going to be okay. And um, I think that's what I bring as a candidate for, for city council in that I'm I'm all about bringing about solutions. I'm, I'm not here to be one party or the other. I'm not here to push any agenda. It's about let's figure out how we as a city, as a team want to make this thing be successful. And, um, and and so I'm I'm so glad to have people like General Cole that have been in my life and um and the stories along with it and, and frankly if if he didn't give me the input around the congressional I would have never been here um I, I probably would have you know finished up 20, 30 years or something like that or, or who knows what um and so um so yeah so that's that's what I think yeah
0: that's a good that's a good that's a good lesson and it, it's not like uh you know General Cole doesn't have a incredibly phenomenal look. The who's who in the family? Uh, you know, when I was doing my research and, and making sure that I was aware, I, I, I was saying I, I did did a look up and I saw General George Payton Cole, and I said, born in nineteen nineteen, and I thought, well, okay, but, but that, I, I'm I'm not sure if that's going to be the right person that we're that we're talking to, but it would it would be it would be pretty cool. Uh, <coughs> <laughs> then I, I realized that that was senior, and here we have junior. Uh, but you both retired at the same rank of brigadier general, and that's just got to be pressure for your son, who's 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 on the same trajectory, right? <laughs> how, how do you follow that up, right? When, when, when you got granddad and dad brigadier general, you, you can't stop at colonel. So George, you, the third, just you can't stop there.
1: Well, I'll tell you what. My dad was born in New Orleans. And during the Depression, he, uh, he made money. He, th- th- their, their house was a little off of St. Charles. He made money walking over to the French Quarter and playing his trumpet on a corner. And he made, as a matter of fact, he made more money than his brother and his father did, both of them working other jobs. He drained <laughs> home more money at the end of the day and playing his trumpet. So, so Dad, when, he, when, uh, when World War II started, he was going to Texas A&M, he was a senior. His whole class on Monday morning marched over from Bryan, Texas, to College Station, or from College Station to Bryan, Texas, and his whole class entered the army. And he went through oh, wow. pilot training without without being a being a commission, not having a commission. He got his commission when he got his wings, and he still hadn't gotten his his diploma. And after the war, when everybody was getting out and getting their diplomas, they told his friends told him stay in and make make rank. So my father never went back to A and M wow. and got and get the diploma. But I'll tell you what, he he made brigadier, and he had a, a, a magnificent mind for uh, logistics. And okay. if, if you go down to Texas and and all his life, when you would ask him. What was his college? He'd say Texas A&M. And if you go down to Texas A&M today, they've got a big wall of honor right there where every A&M graduate that made general officer or admiral rank, his, his name is on that wall. You'll see the name of Brigadier General George P. Cole on that wall. And so he always You can't beat that. Him, and they always claimed him <laughs> for the rest of his life. <laughs>
0: That is all right. That is that is our. That's that's a good story. That that's a great story, <laughs> sir. Uh, thank you very much for your time. Uh, above that, thank you for your service. We, uh, Mr. Garrett, same same as you. Thank you for your service. I don't think that is said I- enough, uh, but in, in true heartfelt, I want to say that uh, we thank you for your time spending, having this conversation with us uh, as as we move towards election day november 3rd we will be going to the polls uh all across the nation right making choices making new decisions going in in directions so uh mr garrett we believe that you are well suited sir and when when you got folks like general george payton cole in your corner you might do okay
1: (laughs) thank you good luck good luck to you thank you bye-bye